Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first Vikings Expert Roundtable. On this episode... We have the entire staff at Vikings Wire joining here today to discuss the Minnesota Vikings, the future, and a lot in between. We're going to have a lot of fun. And look, it's the dead period. There is a lot to prognosticate for the 2023 season and beyond, and we're going to do all that today. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show. Managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungry on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a founding member of Vikings First and Skull. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the first ever Vikings expert roundtable here on The Real Forno Show. And with me today, as you can see, is my entire staff at Vikings Wire. Starting just to my left, he is the man himself from Purple Daily. He is Judd Zulgad. To his left, we have the newest member of Vikings Wire, Stavion Mixon. And to his left, a returning guest who is probably the most annoying of any guest I've ever had on. His name is Kevin G. I, you know what? I, I really couldn't think of anything better in the moment, so that's what you're going to get. And as always, the reason why I sound better than I ever have before on this podcast, he is producer Dave. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Tyler, what's going on? How are we doing tonight? I touched grass all weekend. It was great. Um, I sat up at the lake. I drank a bunch of beer in Wisconsin with my nice purple daily koozie, and we had a Beautiful. real good time. And I'm not going to lie. 
it's it's good to be back in the flow of things. And I wrote a thousand words on Graham Mertz today, published tomorrow morning on College Football Network, the latest place where you can see me write about football. I, I still think he should get mental help. help. Yeah, I, I I still have the belief he should get help for that one, but you know, he's it, not that good. Four four words. He's not that good. Don't bother. Six. You, words. Know, you know, hey hey, John John, I could do it in two. He sucks. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Two solved. words. Listen, Conserve listen. the word count. A thousand is a lot. A thousand is a not, lot. Yeah, so, and right. you know what? I didn't really have to delve too far. I watched about fourteen minutes of game film. And I got like 10 clips out of that 14 minutes and we had a real conversation about what is Graham Mertz and why is the idea of Graham Mertz way better than the actual player? And we delved into that why and it's look as a Gators fan, I'm going to turn my copium into um, content and money. So that's what we're going to be doing here today. But gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking the time out here on. I don't even get to turn my copium into money. This is unfair. (laughs) <laughs> you can if it's if Vikings adjacent. That's fine by me. You still owe me a Jordan Travis article. There's your copium. You're right. Oh wow, that's 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 real copium for me. Oh, and Tyler Van Dyke too. There's there's two <laughs> of them. Uh, Sounds like a plan to me. Look, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be writing about Graham Mertz for Vikings Wire from a different perspective, from an NFL draft perspective here for the next couple of days, and you'll be able to find that. But gentlemen. We could chat about uh, why college quarterbacks that go to the University of Florida end up bad, or we could talk about the Minnesota Vikings, and there is a lot of meat to get off the bone here. Judd, I'm going to start with you, because you have done a lot of really good reporting from TCO Performance Center watching minicamp, and you can tell by that glorious tan that you have going on that you have been outside grinding. I want to start here about Daniil Hunter. We know he didn't show up for tra- for mandatory minicamp, and we know that that's pretty much the most leverage he has. That did incur fines of almost $33,000, but that's a drop in the bucket considering how much he's going to make and how much he's projected to get on an extension. Where do we sit with Daniel Hunter, and should Vikings fans be worried about the fact that uh, he's not showing up and there are rumors about a potential trade? I don't think they should be concerned yet. I think there's a lot at play here. Um it was a foregone conclusion that if Daniil did not have a contract extension by now, that he was almost certainly going to not show up at the camp. Um, and I guess now the next pressure point is the beginning of training camp. I think you can be fined fifty thousand dollars a day if you miss. Here's my here's my feeling. Here's my advice to Quazy. I would not trade him. Um, I think with what this team wants to do defensively, he's still at an age where he's important. Now I understand that he probably wants like a five year contract. The reality is he shouldn't get that. I would be for giving him a, a very lucrative three-year contract, but here's your long play in my opinion. Daniil Hunter um, and his agent, probably more importantly, his second contract, they signed a terrible contract. Like they signed, it's not team-friendly, it's team-foolish as far as Hunter's camp is concerned because it was so good for the Vikings. So my play, if I'm crazy. And you're probably not going to get like you're not going to get a first round pick. You might get a second, but it might be a third round pick. And Tyler, you published something on Vikings Wire from Athlon a while back that said potentially a fourth round pick. If I'm the Vikings, I let him hold out to start training camp. He's not going to get paid then. He's going to be fined. 
And eventually, he very well might fall into a position of having to switch agents, which he should have done previously, but he has been really loyal to his current agent. But if I'm the Vikings, I think he's going to have to play. I think he's going to have to play here. So I guess my question is, unless you get just a great trade offer, like if you get a first round, a conditional first, um, that's something to consider. But if you're not going to get what you want, I think you allow him, I think you allow training camp to start without him there and basically have him at some point in time say, I have to sign. Let's take what we can get, three-year contract, something like that. That's my that's my professional advice and opinion on this. Now, let's talk about this. I'm going to pass it over to you, Savion. When you kind of take a look at Hunter and what that trade value could be, because uh, when you talk about the player, the player itself is reminiscent uh, uh, in a similar mold of Khalil Mack. And that's kind of the the best comparison you can look at as far as a, any kind of uh, talent equal as far as a trade market. And we all know what Mack got. He essentially went for two firsts and then pick swaps that lessened the value of those two firsts, going from uh, second to a third and then a uh, fifth to a sixth for the Raiders. When you look at Hunter, what do you think his value uh, is? Because as Judd mentioned, Athlon Sports, Luke Easterling, who used to be my coworker, uh, as he wrote for Buckswire and Draftwire, he believes it could likely be a fourth round pick with all things considered. Do you agree? And where would you put his value at? So first of all, sorry if you hear Miss Rachel in the background. I got my baby with me, so just stick 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 with me on that one. Um, hey, no, sorry, fourth is Jeff has seen Odie, and he's <laughs> playing with me right now. So they are used to chaos, and they love Odie, and I'm sure they'll love Rachel too. Yep. So, uh, but no, um, no, a fourth is um, as you as you put in one of your articles is a front office failure. It. it Quite honestly, is if you get anything less than honestly, I have to say maybe two seconds or even like uh, like Judd said, a first, a conditional first. I mean, I just I don't see how getting rid of such a good veteran player. I mean, he's 28. He's still pretty much in the prime of what he of what his you know, of what his ceiling is. So I just I, I don't understand getting anything less than two seconds of first, something that you can flip and say, okay, I got, I can get his replacement or at least replace his production some way, you know, in, in some shape or form. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I I think, and Kevin, I'm going to kind of push this to you, kind of get an overarching thought before we move on here. I think his value is a first and a third in a vacuum. But as we all know, value and I used the Pawn Stars reference the other day with Judd on uh, Purple Access on the Purple Daily podcast feed, which you can check out right now. I said that it, it's like kind of like Pawn Stars. You bring in a pet rock from the 1980s, which uh, I mean, that became a thing. Let's say it's worth ten thousand dollars, an original pet rock. Well, the pawn shop's going to give you six grand for it because they got to be able to turn a profit. Well, that's kind of how NFL teams work. Just because your value is X doesn't mean you're going to get it. You're likely getting Y. And that Y is going to be significantly less, especially if only one team is bidding for that player. And that's where this whole asset conversation comes into play. What do you think he would actually get on the open market versus what his value is? Because those two are not always equal. I mean, 
I think Zadarius Smith is the perfect explanation of value not being equal because Zadarius Smith is worth more than what the four that uh, Minnesota got for him. I don't remember the exact package, but at, at some point, two, it was the equivalent of a uh, compensatory fourth. They got two fifth round picks in exchange for a sixth and a seventh. Yeah, I mean, you're not, that is, in terms of just pure value from how good Zadarius Smith is, that's highway robbery. No, obviously there were other factors in place that affected that value. And there are other factors in place for Daniel Hunter as well. I mean, as good as uh, Daniel Hunter is, you have to be able to sign him to an extension because no team is going to trade a second round pick or even a first round pick for a rental. And I look at the teams that right now are sort of at the, I would say about the $10 million in cap room uh, available right now for the 2023 season and factoring in, you know, having to have leftover money for the regular season, uh, having to have holdover money. There aren't many teams that are going to trade that second round pick for a guy like Daniel Hunter right now. And so it, it almost makes sense for Minnesota to wait a little bit and see if you can push this a little bit longer and see what Hunter is willing to do. Because at some point, there's going to have to be, I mean, this is at some point going to reach the reckoning. And when it reaches that, is Minnesota going to be in the driver's seat or is Daniel Hunter going to be in the driver's seat? Because we saw it in the NBA with Bradley Beal. The Wizards weren't in the driver's seat. Bradley Beal was in the driver's seat and you got a low package. So if Daniel Hunter's in the driver's seat, Minnesota's got to play ball because getting the fourth or whatever you get for him is not going to be worth it. And right now, I mean, if you're trying to be competitive in 2023, Daniel Hunter represents your best chance of being competitive. What do you think about Yannick Ngakwe being a trade comparison here? Because the Vikings traded a second and a fifth round for him. Then Khalil Mack last offseason went for a two and a six. I feel like that's kind of a comparable here as far as when you're discussing a Hunter trade, whether fair or foul. And I feel like you're getting a two. I, I feel like if you're not getting a two and some kind of day three pick to uh, sort of make the numbers work. I mean, you're not trading him. Mm-hmm. There, there should, if, if a team calls me right now and says, we'll give you a fourth round pick for him, I'm hanging up and we're going to try another team because, it, I mean, that's just not worth enough for how good Daniel Hunter is. And the fact that, look, Minnesota had opportunities to draft edge rushers or replace Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith in the offseason, and they chose not to. And so you're now in a position where, unless you want DJ Wanham and Andre Carter and Luigi Villain playing actual, like, real minutes for you, you got to play ball with him because there aren't many other options. But don't, don't you guys feel like the Vikings are, in this case, in the driver's seat? Because, I, you know, Daniil wants a contract. He wants to to get paid. But if you – but, I mean, he wants the money. So if you literally say, okay, training camp started – you're not moving, then eventually he's going to have to say, okay, how can we get to a point where it it moves? And I got to be honest, if you go back to that last contract, and and by the way, the Vikings never gave him a new contract. They restructured, and what they did was, the the reason why the salary is so cheap for 2023 is they pushed so much of the money from the back end up so that he, for instance, got the $18 million bonus payment a year ago, March. But I think that you're in the driver's seat because he has largely been so misrepresented that yes. if you just let him sit there and not play, he's going to say, I have to play. Now, could that mean an agent change? Absolutely, it, it could. But I really think that the 
the Vikings are dealing in this case from a position of power. And the problem with trying to trade him is any team that you try and extract a second and or conditional first round pick from uh, is going to come back and say, yeah, he missed the entire 2020 season because of a neck problem. He missed um, basically the second half of 21 because of an unrelated yet significant injury. And so if you're the Vikings, I say we're going to give you a three-year contract. It's going to be very fair, but your options are take that contract or don't play. And not playing is eventually not going to be an option, in my mind, for Daniel Hunt. Yeah, I mean, as of June 19th at 7.18 p.m. Eastern time, the cards are completely on the table of the Minnesota Vikings because they're in the opportunity where they can just go, you don't want to play? Cool. Good luck. Right. But I I wonder if at some point that becomes, okay, if he's not going to play, we need to try and get something for him. Like, Because if there's a point where Daniel Hunter goes, I'm not going to play. Is is the front office going to sit there and go, okay, well then we'll just let him walk the end of the season because I feel like at that point, then you're just trying to get whatever you can get for him. And you're trying to make it a situation where you at least get value for him. But I, I don't see him doing that either because we've seen what happens when players choose to sit out and right. it's not beneficial to them in the long run. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I, I think at some point he's going to have to go, well, I need to play and then we can work out something in the offseason. So I wonder if the solution is a, a sort of short-term Band-Aid solution and then a promise of, hey, in March of next year, we'll start talking bigger extension because we want you to be a Viking. As I understand it, if he doesn't show up to training camp, he starts to get fined, like Judd said. Yes. But also, if he doesn't start if he doesn't play games, right, and he sits those out, the Vikings can start taking back bonus money they paid him. So he will have to pay to sit. And yeah, I mean, and it, they're going to it, pull that back, and he's not going to want to do that. I don't think there there is a point where he will either have to give money back to the Vikings or play. And at that point, the beneficial option for every single person who's trying to make money in the NFL is. Well, just play. I mean, because like at some point, I mean, would you rather be paying your employer to not work or work and start getting something from them? I mean, I it it's it's all an interesting situation. Uh, as of today, I think it probably ends up with him getting an extension. And I'm I'm personally going to call the bluff every time of, of a guy who has basically come to me and said and begged for more upfront cash because that ordinarily means they need said cash. So it's not like I, I yeah. don't sense that this guy has a ton in the bank and it's like, screw you. It's not a fair market value contract. I think this is a guy who probably needs his paydays. So I think if you're Brzezinski and Quasi and the Vikings as a whole, I think you've got him because this doesn't seem like a really, really wise financial dude. This seems like a guy who knows that he is playing for peanuts in part because he demanded more up front. And so I really think that this is one where if I'm the Vikings, I'm not going to get pushed around. I think this would be a bad precedent to trade him for under market value based on how he's operating. So and the one, one thing I will mention, uh, Tyler, real quick, the one thing I will mention is, as Judd mentioned, he missed the 2020 season with a neck injury. Those can be extremely fickle and those can come back and those can continue to sort of hinder a guy's career and, I mean, I think we've seen it in college football in particular. Guys retire because of it. So, like, I 
I think that there also comes a point where the Vikings have to be willing to not make this a long-term extension because if it's a long-term extension and you keep having neck problems, it doesn't look good for the Vikings either. And that, that contract that was once a, a sort of team robbery, highway robbery, is now a, a bad contract. So I, it, it's going to be a very interesting situation once training camp comes around. One last point here before we move on, because we, we've got a few things that we need to talk about here tonight. Any fines that Hunter incurs cannot be reversed. So back in the day, if a player held out, the teams could just forgive the fines. With the new CBA, they cannot. The fines are there, and the only way that these fines would make it worthwhile for Hunter is if he ends up getting more on the back end. So let's say right now the contract extension offer, hypothetically, is three years, $15 million a year. Okay, Let's just throw that hypothetical out there for this example. If he holds out and then he gets that up to $20 million a year, those fines don't matter because they're going to, Matt, what, be like $500,000? Dude just got an extra $5 million bucks a year, an extra $15 million if he maxes out that contract. So those fines are fine. doesn't matter. But he's got to be able to maximize that value in order to make those fines worthwhile. Something to keep an eye on because teams cannot forgive fines, and that is going to make things a little more difficult for Hunter holding out. Speaking of holdouts, one that got yeah that did not hold out was Justin Jefferson. He attended mandatory minicamp, said that he was working out in Miami and pursuing marketing opportunities, and he said a contract will come. I'm I'm here to play the game, and he, he seems to be handling it very well from a PR standpoint um, for his camp. He's doing the right things. He showed up to everything that was mandatory. He's taking care of his body. He looked great in the clips that I saw from practice. And Judd can elaborate a little more on that. But Savion, I'm going to kick it to you. Um, How concerned are you about this contract situation? And do you think that all is good with Justin Jefferson and the Vikings? Or do you think there is any dissension kind of based on the outside looking in? So, I mean, I'm sure, like, not all is good. I mean, he's obviously the... I mean, the best receiver in the NFL right now. And I'm sure he wants to get compensated like that. So I'm sure he, that that comes to mind. But at the end of the but at the end of the day, I mean, he's he's a football player and he wants to play the game and he wants to help this team win. And he knows that he's not only a leader on the field, he's a leader off of it. I mean, he's he's the lifeblood of this offense. He's the focal point of this offense. He knows that and he knows that he needs to get those reps with Kirk, with the rest of the offense, with Addison, make sure that the, um, that everything looks good um, as far as that goes. So, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there's a little bit of dissent, but when it comes to, you know, football players and actually wanting to play the game, sometimes the money, sometimes the money, like, it'll, it'll come. It'll come. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic with Jefferson. And, Judd, I'm going to kick it to you before we get Kevin's thoughts. The tone of practice this week with Justin Jefferson being back versus the tone of minicamp OTAs where he wasn't around. And mm-hmm. like, uh, what kind of differences did you see? Do you think there's any real dissension kind of based on your um, your extensive beat writer experience? Um, no, like there is never, I, I never sense a uh, dissension in a team because of, of, you know, a guy not ha- having a contract yet. The old, uh, credo of never get between a man and his cash basically is a locker room staple. 
So Justin Jefferson, you know, he he might have been shooting endorsements. I don't know. He might have been, you know, staging a I'm not going to show up until my contract is done. Um, but whatever he did, like the dissension would exist between Quasi, Brzezinski and Jefferson's camp. Now, this is to be very, very clear here. This is why I have long said I love having a GM and coach because KOC can say, my man, I would pay you in a heartbeat. That's upstairs, right? That's upstairs. There's nothing worse than when the coach is also trying to pull the purse strings because then players say you're trying to screw me. Um, So as far as dissension goes, Tyler, absolutely not. The thing about this contract is it's going to get done. It's going to be massive. I personally think that that Justin Jefferson should become the highest paid non-quarterback in the league. And when you're talking about a contract that's going to be this big and probably this intricate, it's always going to cause some problems. Like like we think, well, it's Justin Jefferson. Of course it gets done. And it does. But both sides, there's push and pull of here's what I want if we're going to do that. Here's what they want if if I won't do this. Like these contracts, we're, we're talking about a contract that, in my opinion, should be more than Aaron Donald's. So we're probably, you know, we're probably shooting for, if you're the Jefferson people, 14th or 13th highest paid player in the entire league. Um, those always cause some internal upstairs problems. But if you're asking me, do I sense that there's any problems with like Jefferson and Kirk or his teammates? Absolutely not. And I am, unlike the Hunter uh, conundrum, I am very, very confident that this is going to get done probably early in training camp. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And Tyler's muted his mic and he doesn't realize it. <laughs> Yeah, oh, is that like, oh, this is my vibe. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to avoid uh, OD any reverb coming in because that this is the first time I'm using the brand new setup. So I want to make sure that we're doing right. But Kevin, um, you and I have talked extensively about Jefferson and what that could potentially look like as far as his extension and kind of the process and getting there. You know, coming from more of a national perspective, being that you're down near Miami. Uh, uh, what is your perception on this whole thing and how does it look from like a, a, a much more broad perspective? Cause we have we, here in Minnesota, it's much more narrow. I think the biggest thing is as of today, we have seen now that having a star wide receiver is to no one's surprise, a benefit to the quarterback. And we saw it with Miami in particular when they traded for Tyreek Hill. We saw it with Philadelphia when they traded for A.J. Brown. If you have a young quarterback who is not one of the top 
five quarterbacks in football. And as good as Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa are, they're not top five quarterbacks. If you don't have a top five quarterback, but you've got a top five wide receiver, holy crap, your offense is going to look competent for an entire year. And so I think Kevin O'Connell realizes that. I think the front office realizes that. And I think everyone in that room realizes that. And so it's really going to become a situation of at some point you gonna are, are you gonna have to give Justin Jefferson the the blank check and go hey man what what's it going to take to get this done so we don't have it lingering over us and I, I think that I, I agree with Judd make him the highest paid non quarterback in the league make him, give him thirty five thirty seven million and make him happy because when you get to the point of a competitive rebuild without a quarterback. And you have this young quarterback, whether it's a rookie, whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's just another sort of stopgap quarterback, you're not going to do anything if your best wide receiver is Jordan Addison. As of today, I mean, Jordan Addison could definitely be a top 10, 15 wide receiver at some point in his career, but he's not that today. And Justin Jefferson, by all counts, is if he's not the best wide receiver in football, he's number two. So, I mean... It's it's a no brainer. Go go pay him, and you could figure out the cap implications later because you're not going to replace him. I mean, it's it's not a position that you replace. I mean, it's not a guy you replace. So uh, unless you have got Patrick Mahomes sitting at quarterback, just pay him the money, and we can figure everything out later. Figure everything out later is kind of kind of a nice little mantra, and it, it really speaks to what this Quasio Fomento regime has been. Like, hey, we're going to set ourselves up for flexibility. And we'll we'll figure some of these parts out later while we're trying to build a young, faster, and more inexpensive team with these big key pieces. Um, before we move on to our next topic, I just want to shout out a few people in the comments. Um, we see you. Thank you very much here for joining us. It's a little bit of a more structured show because we do have multiple guests on. Um, don't think we're ignoring you. And Anthony, I saw your comment from earlier. My Florida State shirt is exactly where it should be in the dumpster. Um, I, I don't wear those kinds of things on this program. I don't believe in it. Firm uh, disagree. Uh, you disagree. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, sir, this is my show, and I think it's I think it's wrong to wear a Florida State shirt. I really do, um, as you can tell. Go Gators. Um, that I see Yogi, I see Justin, I see Mary, Tyler, Chris, Purple Rain. Oh, wait, that is Yogi. Uh, Bob, Matthew. My worthless opinion. Your opinion still isn't worthless. I, I hope you know that. I'm gonna I'm gonna call you by your username, but just know that we value your opinion here. Thank you all and everybody else here for joining here tonight. We're having a lot of fun. Judd, this is gonna go right to you because you saw something in training camp that I was floored by. And we Thor and I discussed it on Purple Daily on Draft earlier today, which you can also check out at just like Purple Access in that Purple Daily podcast and YouTube feed. Can a Wong getting running back two snaps? There are many different avenues that we can take with this topic, but I want your take because as a beat writer, sometimes you just feel it. And when you see it in practice, it feels real or it feels off. And you think that this, this is going to be more of a trend than a mirage, correct? I feel like he definitely was. And I, I mean, th- this just comes from his reps on the depth chart in the, the, the two day camp was that he was definitely working Second team, Ty Chandler was third, and then the seventh round pick was was fourth. And so, yeah, there's no question. But I, I think this also, guys, I, I think this speaks to a new versatility that's going to be introduced when it comes to the fact that for the first time in a long, long time, 
I don't think the Vikings are going to have a bell cow back. I mean, M- Madison figures to get the most carries, but I think the days of AP and Dalvin are now gone. And so I think they're exploring skill sets as well. So, cause I think as Vikings followers, we obviously think of, okay, how does the guy do when he runs the ball? Can he pass protect a bit? And then can he catch? And I think what O'Connell wants to see is what can guys bring from a versatility standpoint. And there's a fighting chance that we're going to see snaps split a lot more to try and and utilize what guys do well. And the Wong Wu thing, I was surprised when he got almost zero offensive uh, snaps last season because my opinion is if I I watched him in practice and I say, if the Kansas City Chiefs had him, they would find a way to use him some. And But I don't think that we should see, see this as Wong Wu is the two, and that means he's going to get a ton of snaps. I think it's very much open for interpretation what O'Connell is going to do there. But I also believe that the that the way that that they saw Dalvin Cook is probably done. And so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because it might play out in a very different way than what Vikings fans have been used to dating back to, you know, basically Chester Taylor in 2006. Not good old Chester Taylor. Good old Chester Taylor. He's a hell of a blocker, man. He could catch the ball. He brought a lot to that team. It was, it was, was great what he did, but. Because I remember watching him against the Gophers when he played for Toledo um, back. I believe that was 2002, and he ran roughshod over that Gophers defense. Couldn't quite pull out the win, but that was a really impressive performance. He leaves Baltimore because he's stuck behind Jamal Lewis. And then he comes to Minnesota to be the guy, only to be replaced by Adrian Peterson a year later. Kind of a snake-bitten career in that aspect, but one hell of a football player. He made his money, though, on that contract. That Vikings contract, he was very happy. He walked away with the most important thing, which was a significant payday. Yeah, and uh, the less snap means that he did not have to put his body. I'm on a call. Um, Kevin, as as I I hear you yell at, I'm guessing, your dad. I am, yes. Did he bring I thought it my bike. I guess it did work. I guess it did work. No, unfortunately, I do not have chicken fingers. This is a highway robbery. Oh, this is a disappointment. We're going to have to Wedding crashers right there. Um, <laughs> Dad, meatloaf. Um, yeah, so well, when you kind of look at this backfield, Kevin, and Judd kind of laid it out nicely, it means something, but it also could be uh, a way to continue to disperse carries and touches to uh, get the whole committee involved. Like, how much do, we, do you actually think that Kevin O'Connell is going to transition to a committee being that where he's been prior, I don't believe he's really utilized the committee outside of necessity. The want has not been to use a committee, but they've had to do it uh, in Los Angeles due to injuries, mainly Todd Gurley. Um, that, how do you kind of see his usage of these players? I mean, I think unless you've got the bell cow running back and look, Alexander Madison's not a bell cow running back. And Ty Chandler's not one, and Kane's not one, and Dwayne McBride never figures to be one. Like as of today, you've got so many different profiles in this running back room that it would be so much more beneficial to try and figure out how to hyper specify game plans for each of them, and hyper specify packages, and try and find a way to make all these guys work together. Because if you get rid of Dalvin Cook and go, all right, now we've got Alexander Madison. We're going to give him 20, 25 carries a game. 
we're going to be sitting here in November trying to figure out why the running game hasn't worked. And it's going to be fairly obvious in the fact that you don't have a talented running back and you're trying to give that guy who may be a middle-tier rotational running back big-time carries all season. I mean, I I get it. You know, Alexander Madison's the most experienced out of that group. He's the one who's played any sort of functional offensive snaps for the Minnesota Vikings. And, you know, there's probably a better bet to say that he'll get the most carries in that room. But I think we're going to be in a situation where all four are getting meaningful playing time. And unless they add someone in the next few weeks and go, and they feel they need a veteran, I don't think you need a veteran in this room. You need to be able to go find a way to make all these four guys work. Because if you're not, we're going to be sitting here in November and December going, man, this running game sucks. Because, I mean, I've seen it with Miami. When you try and make non-bell cow running backs, bell cow running backs, it doesn't work. I mean, it just, it, it doesn't work in the NFL. So you need to be able to find a way to pit all these guys together. And I think Madison's probably your best bet in terms of like, when they need a first down, when they need a play out of the running back group, he's going to be the guy to get the ball. But Ty Chandler offers something. Dwayne McBride is a, a physical monster. Kane is a certain build and certain profile as well. Like all these guys are going to get snaps. And so I think it's just a matter of trying to figure out who plays well with who, who can fit well together, and, and sort of what are those roles so that for week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we feel like we've got we've got the ability to go four deep if we need to go four deep. Yeah, this running back room does provide a lot of intrigue. Uh, and Savion, I'll take it to you here. When you, when you talk about the running back room and some of these guys behind Alexander Madison, um, being that I, I know you're, you're also a draft guy as well, you've done your research on guys like Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride. How do you feel about the depth in this room? And that, do they have any kind of chance to unseat Madison at any point over the next year or two? Me personally, I was a huge fan of Dwayne McBride this last um, this last draft cycle. So me, I love how unique of a runner he is. And so when it comes to who could, quote unquote, unseat um, Madison, I guess that would probably be my best bet. Um, but that's complete bias. Um, I also like Madison as a runner. I think that he's a very solid runner. He's a very you know, get, get, get you three, four yards, get you what you need to get to the next, you know, get to the next, um, keep you on, keep you on, um, schedule. But other than, other than that, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of concerned. Uh, Tyler actually put it in the comments. I'm kind of concerned about the, um, about maybe being too predictable with seeing like who's in the backfield, because I know when you were, when, I was covering the Falcons when Dean Pease had a certain uh, Dean Pease had a certain nickel and the offense could kind of see what they were trying to do, whether that was have the nickel um, come down or have the nickel play back or, you know, just um, just basically being predictable pre-snap and having offensive coordinators kind of key in on what they're trying to do. So I'm just kind of I'm a little nervous about that aspect of it when it comes to the running back by committee. If I may, on that topic of sort of predictability, I think that predictability is a concern, but I will say that Ty Chandler sort of can play in different ways. Like you don't have a very hyper-specific group of guys who could really only do one thing. Like Dwayne McBride is not just a power back. He is naturally built to be a power back because he can't outrun most defensive backs, but 
he is not built to just be a power back. And I think we see a little bit with his receiving game at times when UAB asked him to be a receiver. Alexander Madison, I think, is another dude who can play a certain who plays a certain way as his primary skill set, but can sort of meld and mold into different skill sets. Like I don't look at this room and go, oh crap, we've got four guys who are just really hyper-specific players. And everyone's gonna know that when Dwayne McBride's in the game, we're just running the football, or when Alexander Madison's in the game, we're just running the football. Like I don't think we're in that at that point yet, but I do wonder if there is a point that and and I think Judd may be a little bit better equipped to answer this question. I do wonder if there's a point where maybe there's another veteran running back being added to this mix. And if it's at the cost of a guy like Kane, who I think is probably better as a special teamer than an offensive player, uh, because you have a couple returners already in the roster with Brandon Powell. And I think Bleak Knowles returned uh, kicks in college. Like I think there may be a point that maybe a veteran running back is considered. If you feel like you need one more guy who's sort of done it in the NFL and you you can sort of go, and I think there are still a few left who, outside of the sort of the top tier of like Cream Hunt and stuff, we can still say like there. I think there are still a few guys who I feel comfortable in saying can be viable committee running backs for a team in twenty twenty three. So, I think the intriguing thing about this entire discussion too is, is this: you know, O'Connell when he got the job in what February of twenty two, came in at his first press conference and talked about what he called the illusion of complexity, which is I'm going to show you different looks. It's going to be very simple, but you're going to be confused defensively. And therefore I'm going to fool you. And we saw some of that. I thought really in the first half or so of 2022. And then especially in the red zone, I thought it went away because of the personnel that Kevin had. Um, And I don't think the personnel necessarily lent itself to O'Connell being able to consistently provide different looks and so I think he ran through his looks and then he's like, what am I going to do now? So yeah. I actually, so I actually think the running back conversation goes to a broader picture of, and this is where I think O'Connell is going to get away from a little bit of the Ram stuff. I think we're going to, we're going to see some more uh, 13 personnel at times, which is going to help the run game, but it's also going to cause confusion because if I go 13 personnel, one back, three tight ends, you're going to say, well, he's going to run the ball. But if I've got 18 on the field, and, and if Addison can deliver on being the vertical threat he's advertised to be, now I've got you guessing run, play action comes in, and you might be, pardon my French, really screwed. So I think that the conversation isn't so much about the individual talent of all of these guys. It's about what they can do for Kevin O'Connell to run personnel packages he wants to run to confuse opposing teams. And now if Ty Chandler is not that great, it doesn't matter because I just did play action. He plays no role beyond being um, beyond being a decoy. So I think that's really where O'Connell is going here. I think it's far more about his ideas of what to do as opposed to what individuals can do exactly what. I think... I think we're going to see a little bit more instead of McVay adjacent offense, we're going to see a little bit more Shanahan adjacent offense. And when we think of Shanahan and what Shanahan offenses do best and to not to try and sort of simplify this and not go into very deep like football terms, it's I have five or six concepts that we're going to run a crap ton of, but I'm just going to throw different looks at you all game. And you're going to have to figure out what that look is and how that relates. And so with the Miami Dolphins, it was, hey, we've got Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. We're just going to run him around the field all game. You're going to have to figure out which one is getting the ball here. 
And with San Francisco, it's more of like, hey, we've got Debo Samuel, we've got Christian McCaffrey. We're going to make your life uh, a disaster in terms of trying to game plan for two guys who are so unique. And so I think that you're going to see this offense turn into a little bit more of like, we're not going to run the ball because we feel like we have to run the football so that you can uh, sort of make you a little bit more aggressive or whatever the terminology that we're trying to use is, is we're going to make, we're going to run the football or we're going to give you run looks so that your offense or so that your defense is in more base looks and you don't have the five defensive backs on the field. And we're going to force you to try and beat TJ Hawkinson and Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison and all these guys one-on-one because if you can't do that, we're just going to play action you all game and we're going to drive down the field and we'll have Kirk Cousins throw the ball 60 times, but it'll be 60 easy passes. And so I don't think that there's too much of a concern about like, oh, I'm not sure if we'll be a top 15 running team. It's more so it's like, can we function these looks together to build a coherent offense? And so you have so many different looks that teams can attack. And if that's the case, then we're going to see an offense that looks more like Shanahan than Sean McVay. So what's interesting about that is George Kittle did an interview, and I can't remember who it was with, but he talked about how Kyle Shanahan would intentionally run like two or three running plays that he knew Mm -hmm. would do nothing so he could set you up to attack you. And he explicitly referenced the Debo Samuel 75-yard catch and run from the playoff game against Seattle and how those running plays really set that up. So I'm intrigued to kind of see how O'Connell does that kind of thing. The way that I think Kittle was trying to explain it, just to give a little bit more context, is each team is going to sort of script 15 to 20 plays to start a game. And you're going to go through those plays one by one by one. And you're not running those plays hoping to get touchdowns all the time. You're running those plays hoping to know what you can attack later on in the game. And so you're going to run a play. You're going to run a certain run look so that later in the game you can go, okay, this is how they reacted to it earlier in the game. Let's see if they either adjusted or we can stick to it. And so. It, it it seems similar to what Kyle Shanahan was sort of, or what Kittle was trying to sort of say is like, we're just going to run this play. It probably won't work, but we're going to be able to get valuable information on how you attack a certain look, how you attack two tight ends, how you attack four wide receivers. And I think you're going to see a little bit of that from O'Connell too, in terms of like, we're going to try and throw certain looks at you and we're going to see how you can adjust to it. And with having a guy like TJ Hawkinson, having two really talented wide receivers, that sort of feels like how this offense is going. And I, I think the single most important thing, too, uh, from O'Connell's perspective is this. What are they going to do to stop Jefferson, and how quickly can I combat that? Nealon's mm-hmm. lack of, of separation ability last season was an absolute killer. Like, that was an absolute killer because you didn't really have to be concerned about him. And so if you can replace him now with a guy who you have to at least account for, uh, but I, I mean, I really think the focal point from the Vikings perspective from the time the season came to an end through the time training camp starts is going to be how do we best position number 18 so that he has as good of chance uh, as anyone to get the ball in his hands? Because, you know, a thing or two goes wrong, you lose that. But if it goes yeah. right, he has these huge monster games and really I think if you position it right I don't know that there's a really good way to stop him if you have your ducks in in a row from a personal standpoint I'll answer it as someone who has tried to like figure out a way to game plan against him as a sort of football mind is good luck I mean you hope and pray pretty much because you you double him you got Jordan Addison you got TJ Hawkinson and 
as a tight end lover, I love TJ Hawkinson. You put single coverage, you put your best cornerback on him. Look, he's made every cornerback's life a living hell for three years or two years. Like he's just going to keep doing that. And so at some point, like it's going to just be like, can you find a way to stop him while also trying to stop TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison? And now it's sort of becoming the Nikola Jokic problem in the NBA of like, Nikola Jokic is so good. How do we stop Nikola Jokic? Is it letting him get his 50 right. points or is it trying to stop everyone else? Is it letting Jordan Addison go for 200 yards, but hoping that we can stop everything else from going wrong? Or is it, hey, we're going to try and get limit Justin Jefferson to five catches and hope that none of these other guys beat me? Because there's enough weapons on this offense that someone can go off on any given night. And this, and this is why, just quickly, the, the most intriguing thing to me is the, the fact that the Vikings clearly don't have a quarterback plan for the future yet. But can you imagine if you introduce a mobile young quarterback on a oh. rookie contract oh to this thing? It's, Good luck. Hey, we already the same as Jaron Hall, who's the savior of this offense. We already know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this okay. has been known. But let, we got. Let, let me enjoy. We got one Jared Hall offense or uh, reference in this, so I, I think we're good for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, a uh, couple questions yeah. here from the audience, and we're going to get out of here today because I find these interesting. Judd, I'm going to start with you. Matthew asked if Brian Neal's 100. Um, talked. He, he mentions a couple guys he liked in the draft class, but they didn't end up going that route. Um, obviously, the Achilles was not fully torn, and I think that's a really big caveat here. Uh, what do we know about O'Neal? So he has not taken part in in the off-season workouts. He's there on the side, and he, he's doing the uh, quote-unquote mental reps um, in team drills. So, like, he's there. But I am not going to be surprised if he's not practicing into training camp. And anytime you have a guy that size, and he's not he's not like a big, big, huge guy, but he's a big guy. And Achilles, it's concerning so I think you need to be as cautious as possible. Uh, it looked to me from going through the practice reps and watching them that Ole Udo is going to be the right tackle if O'Neal can't play there. And I will say this. No one has ever been as poorly miscast as a guard than, than Ole was. But that being said, I think if you have to get by with him, not starting full time, but I'm just saying for a game or two, I think it's far more doable. But hopefully. Brian O'Neill is set to play for week one. I'm curious to see how much action he gets before that. Yeah, it's really interesting because obviously Udo is drafted as that long-term uh, athlete at the position, and it seems right. like he's finally hitting his stride, which I really appreciate. Oh, he's a um, not, that guard thing was yeah. stupid. Not a question um, from the audience, but a question from me, and that, this goes to Savion. Who's got better hair, you or your daughter? This this is a hair competition right now. The daughter, by, the, the daughter, by was. far, by far, baby girl, by far. Oh, that's girl. great. Yeah, he's right. You so that that's a huge win in Hi. itself. Hundred <laughs> percent. She's happy in the clam. Uh, welcome aboard, young one. Welcome <laughs> aboard, Rachel, correct? Yep. Yep. That's one year old. There we go. Hey, hey football she got fan better too. Than her dad too, which is always a good thing. <laughs> She's breaking uh, down film. Off to the side, <laughs> taking notes, scouting reports. Good. That, that's what I love. Um, I didn't see any more uh, questions in the comments, so I'll I'll leave this, and then I, I want you guys to give your plugs, um, and then we're going to get out of here, and I greatly appreciate all your time. 
Um, Kevin, I'm going to start with you, and we're going to move to the right because I want to get Judge opinion, Judd's opinion on this last. Lewis Seen has played a total of two defensive snaps, and they have not really utilized him at all in the offseason program. How concerned are you, and should we be concerned, or is this just the Vikings being uber-careful with this not meaning anything and he's coming back from a major, major, major leg surgery? I can sort of speak from experience that leg injury is not one that sort of takes a couple of weeks to recover from. And so I would err on the side of caution at all times with him in terms of how much he's going to play in terms of training camp. And we can let it sort of play itself out. And from now until preseason and week one, like I would say just limit his snaps overall and even if it's just considered another rookie year for him in terms of development and we don't see him play full time. Like, I think that it's fine like that because that was an injury that is horrific and tragic and all those other words. And so he needs time to recover. He needs time to get up to that sort of level of, of game speed and stuff. So I'm not too concerned about him not playing or not being utilized much through mandatory mini camp and OTAs. Fun fact, uh, if you step on a crack, you don't break your mother's back. You break <laughs> Kevin. Uh, it, true story. True story. Side I, I, I will say, I will say, I think it's a far more encouraging sign that he's even out there, period. And even if it's just for certain drills and every, like, I think that's far more encouraging than him not being utilized for everything. Perfect. Kevin, where can people find you and your work? You can find me. Best place, I will always say, is on Twitter at the Kevin Fielder. Uh, that's about the only place I live on nowadays. And so if you want the copious amount of takes on everything except football at times, uh, it's the best place to find me. And then I do work for Underdog Dynasty. And, of course, the Vikings wire, because that's why we're all here today. Yes, absolutely. Savion, now that we've gotten the cuteness off the screen, uh, what's your take on the Lewis scene situation and then uh, your plugs as well? Yeah, just, yeah, you got to keep them out because, like, like Kevin said, that – that's an injury that can that can derail a career a hundred percent. So if he 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 was brought here to be a to be a key cog in this competitive rebuild, as we like to put it, just just take your time with it and let him come back at his own speed. Um, as you know, I am a last name Mixon underscore S NFL on Twitter. Um, let me see. I work for, I still try to do things for ATB Network, but mostly you'll find me over here at Vikings Wire uh, doing, what, doing what I do best, which is right. It's good because it's a lot better than your fashion game. You'll need to step that up for your next appearance. Um, Judd's fashion game has been improved by Livia Weight Control Centers. Not a sponsor, but good. As somebody mentioned in the comments that he looks a lot better without the beard. Well, that's because he trimmed a lot more than the facial hair before he joined the show today. Uh, Judd, uh, what do you think about Lewisine and that prognostication and then where can the people find you as well? Well, it was interesting because Scene was asked a few times throughout OTAs and the minicamp about his progress and about how he was doing. And he actually said, I'm fine now. I'm full, full go. Um, but there's no question about it. The starting safeties are going to continue to be Harrison Smith and Cam Bynum. And the hybrid guy, which I thought might be seen eventually, is Josh Metellus, and there's no d- debate about that. The coaching staff loves this kid. So whether it's Lewis Seen's choice or not, 
Um, I don't think he's going to exactly, barring injury at some point in the season, play much um, other than special teams. Now, is he the long-term replacement for Harrison Smith? That's possible. But uh, I think that this is also just really um, a reality check of the fact that they have safeties that they like more. And it's going to be, I, I think one of the most telling things about 2023 is going to be the 2022 draft class. I think we're going to get answers there because it's so hard to rush to judgment. Like, you know, to say Quasi's first draft class was terrible. Okay, but they were rookies. You know, let's find out. Uh, I think 2023 is going to allow us a little bit more of a view now of how these players in their second year contributes. But I mean, I was concerned before seeing suffered the leg injury in week four, I was concerned that he couldn't get on the field and had lost the starting job to Cam Bynum a year ago in the offseason camps. So like there was, you know, there was never a competition, Tyler, once training camp started. In retrospect as well, though, Ed Donatel was so bad at his job, I don't know who to blame for what. So <laughs> so this is going to help a lot because, you know, just watching the defensive French guys in, in the offseason program, you know, Brian Flores is going to bring some flavor and some blitzing and some looks here that are going to, if if Daniel Hunter comes back, benefit him. Harrison Smith, who, you know, was allowed to blitz a ridiculously few number of times in 2022, is going to be back blitzing. Metellus is, I think, going to be introduced in this almost rover-like role. Um, so I am very, I am as excited to see the defense as the offense, because I do think that a defense can be changed by attitude and coaching. And Brian Flores, my guess is he's going to be one and done, but he's going to change this as well. And if they can be a mid-pack defense with a top-five scoring offense, which I don't think is asking too much, um, I think that there's going to be substantial improvement. The record might not be 13 wins again, but that was entirely sort of fluky at times. Um, as far as my stuff, you, you can find me at Score North. Uh, the Mackie and Judge Show, Score North YouTube channel, Purple Daily, which you can find, which is also a Score North product, uh, at our Purple Daily YouTube channel. Uh, I'm at Jay Zolgad on Twitter. And, of course, Tyler, I write for you a couple times a week, including a column on the three players who have now departed uh, with Thielen, Cook, and Kendricks, and who might be in the Vikings Ring of Honor eventually. I think that's going to be an interesting piece. And I'll, I'll hey, try Tyler. and Tyler, real quick, I just want to add, as someone who's watched Brian Flores' defense, he's going to find a way to put his athletes on the field. And I think we're going to see Lewisine get on the field. I think it's just going to have to be a very specific role because this is now a guy who in his second season has only played two defensive snaps. And so you have to find a way to get him on the field and sort of try and find a way to treat this again as a second rookie season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I to, agree. To, to Kevin's point, too, the thing about this that's going to be intriguing is – it's very, very clear that the majority of guys on defense have to know about two to three positions. Yes. It, so it, like, it is very if you can't pick up on it, you're in trouble. And and I think I think that's gonna be a reason as to why you don't see some of these young guys on the field early, because it's harder for young guys to learn two positions than a guy who's played a position for all his career. And it's just like, hey man, you have to learn one or two different things about a new position. And Brian Flores loves to cross train, he loves to have versatile guys, and so everything's going to be fluid from week one to week 17. And you're going to see a lot of different looks and a lot of different guys play. So uh, I'll chime in here and then we're going to take off. I I find it really interesting, the discussion about scene. And when Judd mentioned Ed Donatel, not one defensive player got snaps until injuries (laughs) forced them in. 
Um, you didn't see Assezi get any snaps until late in the season. Like Caleb Evans and Andrew Booth Jr. only got on the field due to injuries. And seen uh, was it looked like they were about to start to integrate him in a little bit, and then he broke his ankle on that first quarter um, punt coverage unit uh, in London against the Saints. I'm not reading anything into this until I have to because I really think that they this the staff may just be taking it uber uber slow with him and really treating it as that second rookie season and like you you don't want to mess with the broken like he may be ready to go he may be fully cleared but they still may be like you know what it ain't worth it because we're not even in real practices yet it's just shorts helmets and we don't have to worry about it so once they tell me in some way that i have to be concerned with it i won't be and I think that's that's going to be a really fun one to watch, especially that entire secondary. Gentlemen, I want to thank you very much for joining me tonight. This was a really fun discussion as we continue to navigate the, this dead period of NFL content because there is absolutely nothing going on until training camp starts unless we get that classic Rick Spielman extension that Quasi Dopamets <laughs> to ball out of his hat. Uh, it'll be a fun offseason. Dave, my, produ- my trusty producer, Let's take us home. Well, you forgot. There is a little bit extra in this off-season dead period. That's Netflix and the quarterback series. So once that comes out, we'll be talking a little bit about Kirk Cousins. July 12th, Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated because they you get to see Kirk be Kirk, not Kirk the persona on the field. And I, I think Are that's they- interesting. Are, are they going to ask him how much Cole's cash he has? Because I really want to know if he's just got like a giant like shelf in his room of just like Cole's cash stacked on top of each other, just waiting to be used for that next panel. I think that's going to be a question for his wife, Julie. And I bet she already <laughs> for it. Um, in the meantime, <laughs> starting stuffing out of a toy. So we got to go. Dave, what's the one thing we always say? Skull Vikings. Skull Vikings, baby. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications. It helps us grow this community that we all love our Minnesota Vikings. And on behalf of Tyler Fornis and myself, Dave Stefano, thank you so dearly for watching The Real Forno Show. Skull, everyone! Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.